I'm Manda, and together we're Black Compat. We're a growing community focused on diversity, inclusion, representation, conversation, and fun on Twitch. Want to be fam? For chill community vibes, Wednesday nights at 7, join BC Row for the Wednesday wind down. Friday nights, join us for Let's Plays where we explore narrative and single player campaign games. Stop by on Fridays at 7. Catch our flagship podcast, The Tribunal, live every other Sunday at 3 p.m., where we talk about issues that are important to us as Black women. Issues like representation, inclusion, diversity, and more within the video games and entertainment industries. Check our channel and social handles to find out when a new tribunal is going to drop. We've got even more content on our YouTube channel, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter handles, and our website, blackandpat.com. So join in the conversation in whatever way you like at Black and Pat. Remember, always and never or. All times are Eastern. Pleasure! Welcome, ladies and gents, to another edition of One on One. I am your King Baby Duck, Evan Borgo. Thank you once again for joining us. Today's guest is a man of many talents. From starting off in a career in Hong Kong action movies and pro wrestling, he has since become a Japanese pop idol sensation as one-third of the kawaii metal group Baby Beard. You can also hear him every Tuesday on the podcast series Cat with Beard from Japan, where various topics about Japanese culture are discussed. I am very delighted to have on the show the man, the myth, the legend, the idol from down under, Ladybeard! Ah, what's going on, friends and relatives? Good morning, afternoon, evening to everyone, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whether there's snow outside, whether the sun's just peeking up over the horizon, whether you live in a cave with a family of seagulls, I'm delighted to be talking to you today. Evan, my friend, how are you? I'm very good. That family of seagulls, are you talking about uh, British comedian Jimmy Carr there? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not. Is there something I'm meant to reference I'm supposed to get? Um, when he laughs, he goes, ho, ho, ho. He does. That's very true. He does laugh like that. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's very true. How are you, sir? What's, I haven't seen you in a while. How are you I going? know. It's been uh, since summer. As, as some people might know, I actually got to meet you in person thanks to a mutual hmm. friend. And just just our, our chats, our dinner side chats were just so wonderful to have in Shinjuku. And ever since I saw you down there, I made it my promise to have you come on my show to talk about your life, your career, and Everything under the sun that involves Ladybeard. Here we are. We made it. We put it together. It took. It took some struggle. It took some work. There was. There was a family of seagulls. All of them had shuffles and hard hats on. But we did the work required, and now here we are. It's lovely to talk to you. Lovely to be on your show, sir. Thank you for having me. Anytime, anytime. So I guess my first question is. 
How was 2022 for Ladybeard? Ah, oh, 2022. Well, um, third year of current global event that shall remain unnamed. I think it mm-hmm. currently sort of counts as largely past global event now that shall not so, be named. Yeah. Yeah, the, the Voldemort of global events. We'll just call it Voldemort. Yeah. Um, yeah. So last year, last year of Voldemort. So uh, that's uh, my third year not being able to go back to Australia and, you know, see my family and whatnot. So um, pretty, pretty happy that that one's over. Pretty happy. <laughs> <laughs> pretty happy to the end of that. But look, 2022 was thrilled to finally be able to uh, tour again with Baby Beard. Uh, I'm thrilled to finally be able to do some shows and so forth. Uh, I got to tell you, 2020, 2021, challenging years, not ideal, mm. not ideal. The old Voldemort, considering we're an institution that revolves around live shows and touring, not ideal situation. So, very, very glad we could actually get on with the shows and getting on with doing the thing that we're here to do. Yeah, we gave Voldemort the old Avada Kedavra, and hopefully we will not have to deal with that much any longer. Oh my goodness gracious me, I hope so. Get behind <laughs> me, Voldemort. It's enough of this. Yes. So, with it being the holiday season, how would you describe Christmas with Ladybeard? Oh, look, Christmas with Lady, it's a joyous affair. There's, listen, listen, Father Christmas coming down the chimney over in your continent, you call him Santa, but down under, we call him Father Christmas. Listen, hustling down the chimney with his gigantic, his gigantic Voldemort gut, it's going to be a struggle for him this year because I'm sure he's gained weight over the uh, global event of recent times. But he's going to come down the chimney covered in soot as he is with a giant sack full of prezzies for the little ones. Uh, but for Christmas with Ladybeard, there's going to be Santa. There's going to be Ladybeard. It's a sunshine affair, of course, because I head down to Australia for it. Uh, you know, have a nice time of the old Australian summer. That's um, that's a, a highlight of Christmas for me, the Australian summer. It's a sunshine affair. There's some eating of cold food because it's normally very hot outside. Mm-hmm. And then after the cold food, we all go outside and we play uh, backyard cricket or table tennis or something like that. That's how that's how we do it in the Southern Hemisphere. We don't have any of this snow. We don't have any. We don't. <laughs> we don't have any. Um, you know, snowman building to be done. We uh, we uh, have things like um, you know get the sand off your feet before you come inside. That's more of our Christmas tradition. Yeah. Would you say that and cricket are your favorites or is there another like Australian Christmas tradition that is very near and dear to your heart? Uh, listen, Australians are pretty casual about most things. I'll be frank. It's, 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 it's uh, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure tradition is the correct word. It's mainly the absence of doing things. So that's really what Australia Christmas revolves around. Gotcha, gotcha. Maybe like one of your favorite traditions is uh, continuing to trick the American people that Everyone in Australia eats at Outback Steakhouse. Yeah, well, of course we do. I mean, where else would we? We just, that's the only, that's the only restaurant available in Australia, the whole nation. <laughs> just, you want a, you want a sausage roll? Outback Steakhouse. You want a nice steak? Outback Steakhouse. You want a pie? Outback Steakhouse. There is no other option. Very true, very true. <laughs> <laughs> Lady Beer, you're making it so hard for me. Like, I am, like, on the verge of breaking down from laughing already. 
Uh, bless you. Thank you very much. It's a very kind thing to say. What's your Christmas hold in store? I imagine they'll, where you are, there'll definitely be some snow. Some tobogganing, perhaps? Um, not so much tobogganing. There will be some sledding around in the Boston Common, and there's a beautiful little, like, frog pond area that freezes over that turns into a nice ice rink that a lot of people like to use. Me, personally, when it comes to Christmas traditions, I love just walking around town and just seeing how everything is beautifully decorated. Oh, that's lovely. Mm. A fro- you got a frozen over duck pond that you can ice skate on. Yeah, it's very that's nice. That's beautiful. Oh, my God. That is the most North American Christmas image I could possibly conjure up. That's fantastic. And, then, and so things are nicely illuminated in downtown Boston, you reckon, during Christmas? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Especially if you go down to Faneuil Hall, the Commons, the Boston Public Gardens. Everything is just, like, to the nines, looking very beautiful. The Commons makes it sound like you live in a palace or something. <laughs> go down and see the Commons, full of commoners, common folk. The riff raff. I would say it, it's very comparative to kind of like the um, the outdoor area close to the Emperor's Castle in in Tokyo. Oh, all right, fair enough. Oh, good place for a jog then. Very good place for a jog. A very favorite area to jog. <laughs> like a good jog after Christmas dinner. It might be more of a roll, more of a roll <laughs> than anything else. That was a good good a good. <laughs> exactly. Uh, how are you? How are you feeling? Twenty twenty three. You're going to be heading to Japan in twenty twenty three. Yeah. Um. At the very least. Um. Once again, at, at least with the organization I was part of this year. But as some people might know, I did apply for the jet program, and it's just the waiting game as to whether or not I get an interview for that. And I hope I do. And I hope that. At the very least, if I do get rejected, they don't send my rejection letter on my birthday like last time because uh, that killed me. <laughs> it's not the ideal present to receive on your birthday. I wish you luck, sir. I hope the JET program is exactly what you want it to be and more in every respect, including the acceptance letter. Thank you very much, Lady Beard. But uh, we're not here to talk what? about me. We are here to talk about you. And I feel like the best question to start off is beginning your career in Hong Kong, jumping between there and the Philippines with both acting and wrestling. Now, I know a bit of the answer to this, but how did you wind up coming to Japan? Uh, so I started, I, uh, yeah, as Evan has said, I used to be a stuntman and a voice actor and so forth in Hong Kong. And the 2008 financial crisis came along and wiped out my entire life overnight. So I need to do something else. And I, uh, I realized I could solve all my problems by becoming a cross-dressing pro wrestler and heavy metal singer, which is, of course, the logical choice that most people would make in the same situation. And so... I started doing shows in Hong Kong and whatnot, and I did some tours around the neighborhood. And um, I toured to Japan in 2011, and it, it really the show went really, really well here. The locals responded very well to it, so I said, "Well, clearly, I'm going to have to move there." So I kind of I went back to Hong Kong, got myself organized, had to spend some time in Australia, and then I moved on over in 2013. And then um, a relatively short, uh, short, short, short. Time. I was trying to think of a more interesting word that goes with time. In a relatively short time, um, the photos of me blew up on the internet and uh, they've got some attention and I'm now famous person. 
Now, as you mentioned, the whole cross-dressing aspect of Lady Beard has played an instrumental role in both your style, your attitude, and your popularity. And what mm. has been the reaction to your surroundings, be it in Australia, Hong Kong, Japan, so forth, so forth, when someone like you shows up to entertain them? Yeah, you know what? Interesting. Very interesting. In Japan, far more of a uh, liberal uh, reception than I was expecting, to be honest. The Japanese are quite good about a lot of things because if they like you, they'll let you know very um, energetically that they like you. And if they don't like you, they won't necessarily let you know um, that they don't like you. They'll just kind of leave you alone. So that's quite lovely. So, therefore, the people who have interacted with me in Japan tend to love the show and love what I'm doing, which is fantastic. Um, it's It's been a, an interesting dynamic because kind of Lady Beard means something different in every culture somewhat. So, for instance, in Hong Kong, deeply conservative culture over there. At least it was at the time when I was there. So... The first time I cross-dressed in Hong Kong, people were like, you're the craziest, you're the most funniest, you're the most insane person I've ever seen in my life. And it's an interesting thing, because in the Western world, we've kind of, you know, we've had cross-dressing for decades and so forth, and it's it's kind of like, oh, yeah, there's a cross-dresser, ha-ha, but it's not really a gigantic deal. In Hong Kong, it seemed like it really was a monumentous occasion when a cross-dresser showed up. Um, so it's been very, it's been one of the most interesting things in this career, actually, to kind of witness the different things that a bearded white man in a skirt means in various different cultures. Mm. Has your look evolved since creating the Lady Beard character? Yeah, because before, once I got to Japan, I started working with my first Japanese manager. She really uh, kind of Japanified the look. Until then, I'll be frank, I didn't. I was far less cute. I didn't really know what I was doing in terms of the styling. Um, there's only there's only so far one can self teach themselves. Why they don't know any other fundamentals, <laughs> so forth. So, um, yeah. Once I got to Japan, it really kind of Japanified, and uh, that added real elements of cuteness to the whole thing. Before that, I wasn't necessarily trying that hard to be cute. I was a kind of a filthy heavy metal crossdresser, kind of in the style of Wednesday Thirteen or something like that. Gotcha. So, yeah. So it was of the Japan generation that I really kind of cutified up. Right, like like the Japanese were like, you need to be more moe mori kyun with your look. Yeah, I mean, that's just what, uh, how do I say this? That's just what makes, it's what Lady Beard is in the culture here. It's what, what Lady Beard needs to be for Lady Beard to be Lady Beard in Japan. That's now that's not necessarily the same thing elsewhere because, like I say, at the start I was a you know, filthy heavy metal crossdresser, and I kind of modelled myself on artists like Wednesday Thirteen. You know Wednesday Thirteen? I believe so. I believe so. The name does ring a bell. Okay, cool. So Wednesday is a kind of a a horror uh, goth punk metal um, singer. He was uh, he, he was in his first band was called Frankenstein Drag Queen from the Planet Thirteen, which is of course the greatest name for a band in history. Oh, yeah. and then he. Uh, he was also one half of Murder Dolls with Joey Jordison from Slipknot. That's how I know. That's how I know. Murder Dolls. He's the singer from Murder Dolls. I shouldn't say one half because there were other people in the band. But um, he did Murder Dolls with Joey. So I was kind of, you know, he, so he would turn up on say, I think also that kind of Twiggy Ramirez look, if you remember Twiggy Ramirez. Oh, yeah, uh, I remember played, Twiggy. Yeah, that's kind of 
that's how I started out. I was pretty disgusting, frankly. So, so it had to be the thing I am now, which is uh, all cute and whatnot. We've really evolved quite a lot. Any fashion ideas you haven't tried yet that you hope to do in the future? I mean, several kind of character cosplays I'm interested in doing, and several specific outfits that I'm interested in doing. I real, I've, I've always wanted to do um, a, a, a ballet performance in a, a tutu, like one of those really nice ballerina tutus which shoots out horizontally from your hips. Those mm. things are actually quite difficult to find and to get done properly you can kind of you can you can um i don't want to say uh ass how do you say half ass without saying ass you can half half butt yeah half Half butt butt. (laughs) you can half butt a um a tutu but to get like a really nice one they're actually very expensive and very kind of there's quite a lot that goes into them so that's kind of yeah and and i uh i used to do ballet i haven't done it for quite a while but i really love it and so one of the things i've always wanted to do but i haven't done is i wanted to do some kind of ballet performance in a tutu haven't done that so uh that's kind of a pipe dream maybe Uh, 2023 will be that year well, yeah, maybe. I'm sitting here with Shiori and um, uh, gauging by her reaction, 2023 might not be that year. But look, let's see <laughs> Just keep elbowing you. Ha, 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 ha. Come on, come on. Put me in the tutu. Come on, come on, come on. Let, let me tell you something. Um, Shiori is a tough audience member. Shiori, you will, do, you will work so hard at rehearsal and you do the whole show for Shiori and then she is the most stone-faced audience member in the history of audiences just no matter what happens to the show it'd be hilarious it'd be amazing it's just the same blank stare directly at you for 45 minutes <laughs> 45 wow. minutes of show she is a tough she's a tough audience but that's what makes her a good manager you see because right. she breaks the performance apart that puts it together again better than it previously was let's all hear it for Shiori 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 Shan Onagashimasu Oi Now as a foreigner in Japan what is life like there for you? Oh mate at the moment freezing it's so cold <laughs> My Australian blood, I tell you what, every year around about November when the weather turns cold, I go, oh, another year of this. I really feel like my blood just freezes inside its veins. It is so insanely cold. We have winter in Australia, but it's not like this. You know, it's it's such a brutal, biting winter. At the moment, that's the only you know, part that I can really concentrate on. <laughs> so <laughs> old. Um but no, generally speaking, it's uh, it's wonderful. You know, there's a really uh, Japan's a very very vibrant and very dynamic culture and country, and there's really a lot of wonderful things here to be embraced. Very nice. Now, are there any myths about living in Japan that you would like to debunk for those looking to move there, myself included? Ah, uh, listen to me. Listen to me. You've heard the myth of the Japanese have rubbish bins. not not, not a single public rubbish bin in the entire nation oh oh my goodness that is whoever said that should be slapped not a single public rubbish bin in the entire nation there are specific bins for plastic bottles 
and specific bins for cans, specific bins for the newspaper, but just an all-purpose put-your-rubbish-in-it-bin, not a single one. Prepare yourselves. Prepare yourselves to buy something at the convenience store or similar shop and then carry your rubbish around with you all day until you finally get home where you're allowed to throw it away. You're not allowed to throw it away before then. If you do attempt to, you will be frowned upon <laughs> severely. You probably end up in a lot of toraburu. So that happened to me in um, Asakusa. I yeah. remember buying. I had to. I remember just carrying this wrapper around, walking around for three hours trying to find a rubbish yeah. bin, and just giving up and just bringing it back to Casca Bay with me and tossing it in my friend's rubbish bin when I got back to his place. Yeah, that's how it goes. It's 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 confusing until someone tells you what's going on. That's why when you buy something at the convenience store, they always give you a bag. Or at least they did. I got a feeling now they're trying to be all eco-friendly, so they're maybe they're not giving out bags as liberally anymore. Yeah, when, when I, I went to a Family Mart, they didn't give me a bag for anything. Oh, is that right? Okay, I guess they're greening up. When I first got here, you would buy the tiniest item, like a packet of gum at the convenience store, and they'd give you a plastic bag. And I was always confused. And then it was explained to, it was explained to me, this, this is so you can put your rubbish in it and carry your rubbish around all day to take it home and throw away because you have no other option. Very good advice there. Just always make sure that you know that there may not yes. be a place to toss your trash when you need to. Prepare yourself, dear listener. You need to prepare yourself mentally to become the great trash carrier. Trash will find itself gravitating to your hands and your hip pockets in the same way as the one ring to rule them all gravitates toward Lord Sauron in, 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 where's the place he lives? Out the, I can't remember, in the east. That'll do. In the east, the trash will gravitate towards you and there will be no escaping it. Till you get home, you can finally throw it away. Prepare yourself for trash carrying. Yes, absolutely. Now, as you mentioned earlier, you began your career as a stunt performer. So how did the pro wrestling world first enter the picture? I remember you mentioned Kenny Omega had something to do with it. Yeah, Kenny helped me get into Japan. So when I I first started wrestling, what happened was I was always interested in wrestling as a a younger human. But in my city, the wrestling gyms were a long way away from my home and I wasn't really practical, right? So, But I was a martial artist and I was also an actor. So wrestling was kind of a hop, skip and a jump, right? It was an old logical a logical conclusion but um uh what happened was when i lived in hong kong um i uh, was in a, a mosh pit at a metal show one night and there was a kid who was wearing a show that said hong kong pro wrestling and i said what the hell is hong kong pro wrestling and he told me yeah, yeah we're a wrestling federation in hong kong hey you want to come to training and i said yes i do so hong kong was the first time interestingly because hong kong has a much smaller wrestling culture than anywhere in the western world but nonetheless that was the first time wrestling training had ever been accessible for me so that's when i started wrestling and then when i came to japan yeah so i wrestled with uh, i wrestled with uh, ddt pro wrestling that's been the bulk of my wrestling career in japan mm-hmm. and before ddt i wrestled with one of their subsidiaries which was called union pro that company no longer exists but it was called union pro and actually, Kenny Omega helped me get into that. So I uh, I contacted Kenny when I was on my way to Japan, and I sent him some videos of matches. And I tell you what, Kenny Omega is uh, an upright 
human being. He is an excellent, excellent, uh, very kind, a very generous man. He said, yep, uh, I think uh, your work is something our fans could really get behind. And he actually helps me get in with uh, Union and DDT. So God bless you, Kenny Omega, all my love for a million years. I do have to ask, have you ever talked to him about coming over to All Elite Wrestling? Uh, I'm not going to answer that question. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> keep us in suspense there, Mr. Beard. Keep you in, I'll keep you in suspense like a pair of suspenders holding your pants up around your belly button because you're 96 years old. That's how much suspense I'm keeping you in. All right. Were there any wrestlers that you looked up to growing up? Um, it's interesting. Growing up, right, so there wasn't – I couldn't watch wrestling on the TV very much growing up. It was very interesting. You had to have cable TV to watch wrestling in Australia, and um, I, I didn't. So I could only ever watch wrestling in passing. At one point, it was on free-to-air TV at like 2 in the morning or something, so I watched a bit of that, and that was kind of my first – decent exposure to it because i would stay up late that was in high school and i'd say ah stay up late doing homework and whatnot i'd end up just watching wrestling so so kind of the initial wrestler that i ended up looking at going wow he's fantastic was x park ah yes sean waltman excellent i used i used to love it when he would team up with kane and them becoming the tag team champions one of my favorite tag team duos yeah they were fantastic weren't they that's exactly the generation when i was watching when he was um tagging with kane and he was fantastic because i was training taekwondo so taekwondo very kick intensive martial art and x park did all the jumping spinning kicks and things like that so Mm. i thought he was uh awesome and also i really liked degeneration x so he was kind of the first one that made me go aha that is amazing you trained with an australian who spent nine years on jackie chan's stunt team uh what were some of the things that you learned under his belt like the key things that you learned for the key thing i learned from him was harden up no matter what's going on with you no matter how much pain you're in whatever if you're walking no one cares just get on with it and I said, uh, yeah, it was, it was hard training and he was a hard master. I have to tell you, there was no faffing around. Um, one of the things about stuntmen, particularly Hong Kong stuntmen is they're kind of a different breed. Like they're people born without fear. So triple backflip off a balcony into a pit of broken glass whilst on fire. Uh, no problem. Let's go. <laughs> Did you get the shot? <laughs> you know, like, so it really was, um, when you're going through martial arts and whatnot, um, you kind of, it's relatively compassionate training because, you know, you're, you're paying for classes. So the master doesn't want to be too horrible to his students. Right. Right. But then once you're out and it's the other way around and you're getting paid to do it, just harden up. No one cares. Just get, get tough and get tough fast. That's what I learned. Every pro wrestler has their move, their finisher, their, their, near guarantee of getting that one two three count what is your finisher well if you're if you're familiar with the wrestler kofi kingston you're familiar with kofi yeah Mm -hmm. so his finisher you will know is a kick called trouble in paradise you're familiar with this kick i believe so yeah good it's a jumping spinning scissor kick and so i use that same kick except when lady beard does it it's not called trouble in paradise it's called women's liberation (laughs) 
<laughs> women's liberation. <laughs> women's liberation always comes out on top. Hey, 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 sisters, listen to me. You don't have to take any nonsense. You don't have to take any, oh, oh, win by, uh, win by, win by count out. Oh, oh, win by DQ. No, 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 you go on for the KO, the one, two, three, every single time. Women's liberation, you, me, Lady Beard, here, now, today, in the ring. Uh, that's how we do it. <laughs> Very nice. Now, how would you compare pro wrestling in Japan to pro wrestling in the Western world? Um, so wrestling in the Western world is far more kind of presentational and far more kind of, I guess, you know, glitz and glamour oriented. This is one of the interesting things about Japan once you arrive in Japan. Um, you start doing wrestling and... And so the the review of my matches from day one was mm, gotta hit him harder, hit him harder, just hit him harder. In Japan, they want to see strong style, and um, it doesn't matter what you're doing, as in it doesn't matter uh, kind of you know what else is going on with you and your gimmick and your matches. They want to see strong style no matter what. So this took quite a while for me to get my head around because I kind of said, you know, you realize I'm a bearded man in a bikini, right? <laughs> is this really what people, is this really what I'm on the card for? Yes, it is. Like strong style at all times, no matter what, strong style. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. So the Japanese wrestlers, if you're not a huge wrestling fan, dear listener, um, strong style is when you really beat seven levels of Easter out of each other. You hit each other a lot and very, very hard. That's what the Japanese want to see. Um, almost every Japanese match kind of revolves around the idea of um, fighting through adversity. The Japanese are big on this concept, you know, the concept of gun biting must, right? Yes. So, yeah, so things are tough and you're having a hard time, but you keep on trying your best. The Japanese love this concept. So, that's what they want to see in wrestling. They want to see you get beaten half to death, but you keep on going. Right, because they like to see you like overcome those obstacles and hopefully come out on top at the end. Yeah, that's exactly right. Exactly right. Whereas it's been my experience in the Western world, it's uh, you know strong style does exist in the rest in the Western world, but um, you know pro wrestling in the Western world is far more kind of show busy in my experience. Who have been some of your favorite people you've wrestled in your career, be it as an opponent or as a tag partner? <laughs> um, uh, Mio Shirai, uh, that woman is a murder machine. So it's been it's been a pleasure to wrestle her. Um, uh, Suji Ishikawa, uh, getting headbutted by that man. That's how I imagine it feels to be hit by a bus. Oof. It's a, uh, a gigantic gentleman. And... Um, uh, and also, uh, my buddy, um, uh, Asaki Akai, she's been very, very nice to me. We tagged together a lot, especially my first years in Japan, and she was very kind to me, very nice to me the whole time. So I give it up with those three is who I'm going to say is my answer. All right. Um, what would you say has been your favorite match? Or oh, my favorite match? Um, my most memorable match was the one when Ishikawa-san headbutted me. I <laughs> 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 tell you. I don't remember very much of the match apart from that one headbutt. <laughs> Let's go, what the hell? Let me let me tell you this story though. So this was back when I was in Union, uh, so my first year or so in Japan. Uh, I did 
this this is a story not about my match, but someone else's match. I did my match kind of early in the card, and then so for the rest of the show, I'm watching everyone else's matches. And the main event of this show was so insanely brutal. It was a tag championship. And again, Suji Ishikawa, so gigantic man. If you don't know what he, who he is, go look him up. Gigantic, very strong man. He was um, tagging with the proper names escaping me. I'm sorry. Another gigantic man. They were wrestling two kind of smaller martial artsy type dudes. Fantastic match. Just super strong style. They brought each other halfway to the grave halfway through the match there's an interference and so they stop the match but then they get on the mic and say we're not going to finish this championship match like this restart the crazy blood sweat tears agony the whole thing we get to the end of the match ishikawa son and his tag partner win ishikawa son gets the mic the other two guys the opponents are sitting there very upset gets the mic and he says we beat you we knew we were going to beat you now we're world tag team champions and at a time like this there's only one thing left to do sing a song and they start singing this start singing this brothers forever type song all the wrestlers from the company go into the ring I've never heard this song before we're all like oh, yeah, singing a big group song it was, it was the greatest uh, moment in the history of pro wrestling you are a three-time DDT Pro Wrestling Ironman Heavy Metalweight Champion and considering yeah. the rules behind that certain championship was it stressful knowing that you could lose it at any time? I mean, I'm pretty sure I got it and lost it twice in the same match. So, so to that end, to that end, yeah, you know, that's a burden that you carry with you as the Iron Man champion. Any moment, any moment, day or night, that belt could be contested anywhere. Could be contested at the beach. Could yeah. be contested. Could be contested when you're buying some new slacks. Lady B doesn't buy slacks. I wear skirts, but someone else might buy some slacks could be happening when you're just rolling around after your Christmas dinner. That belt could be contested anytime, anywhere. And um, yeah, I've had it three times. It's, listen, it's a big responsibility being Iron Man champion. It's nothing to be sneezed at. But look, 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 uh, it's, it's a glorious and it's a prolific title. But there has never, ever been a greater champion in history than that time that the belt won the belt <laughs> hands down the greatest Iron Man champion ever was the Iron Man championship <laughs> the belt on the belt what a- well would you say that you were at least a better champion than like uh, Yuko Miyamoto or even the Young Bucks autobiography oh listen listen hey listen hey listen the belt winning the belt cannot be disputed as has down champion to end all champions all holders of that belt have been great wrestlers but the belt <laughs> the belt cannot be disputed no one out belts the belt even the invisible man that's right the invisible man won it didn't he <laughs> so ridiculous a ladder won it at one point that's so ridiculous I love it <laughs> this is such a fun championship oh it's a great championship Spider-Man won it one time I'm just saying that. Uh, uh, that's crazy. Yeah. Now, do you personally have a dream match that you'd like to make happen before you leave your boots in the ring? Is there someone that you would like to face off against? 
Yeah, you know, I, I always wanted to. I'm not sure if he's working anymore, but I always wanted to wrestle Al Snow. You know Al Snow? Yes, you know, he used to carry the mannequin head around. He was one of my favorite hardcore champions. Yeah, I was uh, a few years ago. I was really into. Uh, I was watching a lot of Impact. I was really into what he was doing on Impact. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll take you, Mister Snow. I'm not sure if he's still working. He is a. Um, I know he at uh, least trains. I know he's like at least a trainer. Maybe like once in a great while, he will do a match here and there. Okay. Yeah, I'd quite like to work with Al Snow. I think that'd be a. Um, I think that'd be a, a good, fun match. Mm, I, I would agree. He, he was one of my absolute favorite. He when he did a hardcore match, you knew it was going to be a memorable event. Oh, that's right. And he's from that kind of old guard who really came in back in the. I'm not sure, uh, when did he start the '60s or something? When it was really was wrestling and it was full on and it was hardcore. So. I remember listening to his stories of the olden days and coming through training in the olden days. They are no joke. He was telling, he has a story about how he'd go to, you'd go to tryouts and a lot of the trainers, the first thing that would happen is they wanted to know if you were serious or not. So the first thing they would do would be break your ankle. And then, and then of course, yeah, your tryout is over. And then the test is next year, do you come back? If you come back again for a trial for a tryout next year, now they'll take you seriously. Wow. Ooh. Yeah. So just a broken ankle in a year off, that's your first test. It's pretty pretty dramatic, isn't it? Uh, that, uh, that's not in sync with modern occupational health and safety standards. Absolutely not one bit. Not. <laughs> uh, you can hashtag all the way out of the ring for that one nowadays. Yeah, absolutely. Even before coming to Japan and getting into the idol scene, music has played a big part in your career. Uh, what inspired you to make singing a key aspect of Ladybeard? Um, so I started Ladybeard in the ring, and so what happened was I was I was living in Hong Kong, and I uh, I started wrestling, um, and that was kind of the official birth of Ladybeard. There'd been other Ladybearding in my life before that, but that was Ladybeard's official birth. And what happened was I had this music project that I wanted to do. I uh, wish to say so. So my favorite uh, at the time, a lot of my favorite songs had always been metal covers of pop songs, because I found something very joyous about hearing the hook of a pop song. Because everyone knows pop songs; they become part of your life. Because whether you like them or not, yeah, they're playing on the radio and they're playing in shops, and you can't really escape them. So everybody knows the popular songs of the day. But then <clears throat> I find something very beautiful about when you're so used to. You're used to the structure of the pop song, and when you're used to hearing ooh, 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 when that gets replaced with, I've always found that really quite endearing and beautiful. So my favorite songs at the time were all metal covers of pop songs. And when I got to Hong Kong, I started listening to Cantonese pop music to help mm. me with the language. And I kind of said, these are some great, really catchy pop songs. I wonder who's done the metal covers. And it turned out no one had. So ah. I kind of said... I said, wow, someone should do that. And then you know, a few years later, I started Ladybeard and I said, you know what? That is really, that's the music that I want to hear in the world at the moment. If no one else has done it, I'm going to do it. And so I decided I'd do it as Ladybeard. And um, that way, my work in the ring and my work on the stage could kind of interact with one another. And, um, and that's how that came to be. 
Very nice. Very nice. Um, you are currently in Baby Beard with fellow idol singers Suzu and Kotomi. As you've yes. been in other groups in the past, how would you compare your previous acts with your current one? Well, these two girls are, these two girls specifically are really, really sweet. Not to say that, you know, people I've worked with in the past have not been, but these girls are particularly sweet. Suzu had not done show business at all in any way until this group. So she had not been on stage at all. So just by the way, this girl is kicking ass for someone who has never been on stage in her life. First time she ever went on stage was the first Baby Beard show. This girl is doing so well. It's actually amazing. It's very impressive. Um, and then Kotomi had had another idol group she was in before Baby Beard, but it got taken apart by Global Voldemort that we recently yeah. had. So, um, but these girls are both, they're, they're very, very sweet. And I think that gives us a particular dynamic where we're on stage. They have their unique personalities and so forth. But then both of them standing there either side of me, me being who I am, um, I think we have a beautiful kind of uh, dichotomy of the pop with the metal and the cute with the harsh. Um, Kotomi is kind of like delicate and kind of babyish. Uh, Suzu is far kind of stronger and um, more physically kind of like, Wah! so I think we've got a really beautiful dynamic going on. And that's kind of well, one of my favorite things about Baby Beard. Very nice. Uh, what would you say is the key ingredient in Baby Beard that makes your chemistry with Suzu and Kotomi work so well? The beards. Beards all day, my friend. Yes, there's no beard. There's nothing that's going to work at all. Both girls are working hard on their beards at the moment. They've got a long way to go, as you can see. But listen, beards. And you can't say baby beard without beard. So more beards. More beards, that's what I say. Beards. Beards. Air de face. Right. You got to help them to groom it into, like, Viking-styled beards over there. Ah. Uh-huh. Look, I'm trying to give them beard lessons. I'm trying to like rub, rub beard sterizer into their cheeks when they're distracted. I'm trying to I'm helping them get a nice full growth going on. I'm talking nonsense. Neither of the girls have beards at all. We keep them beardless. <laughs> That'd be you, sh- you should have a show where they do, like, come out with, like, fake beards or something like that. Like, maybe, like, an April Fool's kind of show. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Maybe they could, like, steal my beard at some point. I'd turn up clean-shaven and um, the girls would have beards. That'd be something. It'd be a role reversal. But the problem with that is I'm like Samson from the Bible, so if you shave my beard, I lose all my power. So it'll be a lackluster show. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> yeah. Um... Kawaii metal has been a rising aspect of the J-pop scene thanks to acts like Baby Metal, Passcode, and Kamen Joshi. Besides being the only mm. Australian idol, what makes Baby Beard stand out from the rest of the pack? Well, we, uh, uh, male vocals, uh, genuine screaming male vocals. Um, a lot of the Kawaii metal groups, they're you know, girls, and they might get back up from male screamers on their track or something like that but I'm pretty sure we're the only one that has a, 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 a screaming foreign crossdresser actually on the stage uh, bringing the screams hard and loud behind the two girls with their beautiful adorable girly girl voices I say that's probably the standout of course the aesthetic as well let's not uh, let's not move past the aesthetic our dresses that we're currently in on stage we are the three of us are modeled after cupcakes so 
no other kawaii metal group is three adorable cupcakes we're 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 the the heaviest of the heavy and the adorablest of the adorable there's something for everyone there's something for grandma there's something for jeff there's something for the little boy who lives down the lane baby beard people get on the internet and follow baby beard right now now, thus far, you have released two singles, Nippon Kara Konnichiwa, which is a great intro yep. to Baby Beard in general. And then there's what? this other song that you released called Pianizer. And for the latter, yeah, what pi- exactly is Pianizer? Uh, I will explain to you, my dear friend. So, so Pian is the Japanese name for that emoji that has the big eyes that's about to cry. Oh... Yes. So, if you listen to our song Pianizer, that's Pianizer by Pianizer. Baby Beard. You can watch the right now. So, so that song details a series of situations, which is which, to which the Japanese will commonly say Pian, because this emoji got picked up as part of pop culture, you see. And so the kids, when something kind of low-level unfortunate happens, they'll say, ah, Pian. So, for instance... If you go in, you've just done the laundry, and you hang out the laundry, and then there's a sudden burst of rain. Oh, it's it's not the end of the world, but it's also quite unfortunate. So, pian. If you you buy an ice cream, but then the ice cream scoop rolls off the cone. Ah, pian. You know what I'm saying? But, but, actually, pianizer is actually a very, very positive song, because the theme of the song is, you know... You know, unfortunate things happen, but don't worry. Tomorrow is another day, so keep on smiling. Very good. Very good message. It's a, it's a very good lesson because, you know, bad things happen, but it's never the end of the world. Yeah, it's important to stay positive. It's very important to stay positive. Stay moving forward. As I mentioned earlier in the interview, I finally had the opportunity to see you and the rest of Baby Beard perform this past August at the Murota Mizuki Music Festival number one. That number one is very important in Shinjuku. And I I saw how surprised everyone was to see you come onto the stage. So, like, Mm. what do you find is the key aspect to your performance that will help win over even the most gobsmacked section of the crowd? A key aspect of the performance to win over the gobsmacked crowd is preparation get in the rehearsal room and uh, have Shiori stone face you for the whole show so so that no stone can be left unturned in making the show as good as it possibly can be. One of the really... uh, uh, One of the conditions of doing something like Ladybeard, it's such an extreme performance that it elicits an extreme reaction. So people are either going to love it or absolutely hate it. And the show itself is either going to be amazing or terrible. So, obviously, amazing is the side of that dynamic we'd prefer to be on. So, it's a matter of just get in the rehearsal room and uh, really work hard and make sure that the show is incredible because that way people see you for the first time. They're like, what the hell is going on? But, you know, it's the performer's job to to get them hooked you know it's the performer's job to entertain them and impress them and amaze them mm. so that you know when their opinion is on the fence and they can go to the this is terrible or this is amazing side obviously you want them flopping over to the this is amazing side of things 
Absolutely. Now, how would you compare idol shows now compared to uh, pre Voldemort? Ah, oh, bro, it's so strange now. It was it was far more normal pre Voldemort. So, for <laughs> those who've never been to a Japanese idol show, what well, the group dancing, like choreographed dancing in a group, seems to be quite a big uh, part of Japanese culture. They do it in school when they're children and so forth, and.、Um, You know, the Japanese are about communal experience. It's all about we're all doing the same thing, hooray. Whereas in the Western world, we're far more individualistic, so we're far more. Everyone else is doing something, so I'm specifically not going to do it. You know.、Right. Um, so therefore, when you go to a, an idol show in Japan, it's quite beautiful. Like the fans will all know all the choreography to all the dances, and they'll do the dances with the performer. And sometimes they get very creative. In there's there's a kind of a role in the show that the fans play. So there's a call and response from the artist to the fan. Or I've seen groups when during the show the fans have to turn around and face the back and then drop and start doing push-ups and just <laughs> bizarre fan interactions kind of happen. So this is one of the beautiful things about idol shows. Now, once Voldemort set in. All of that got shut down.、Oof. So, post Voldemort, it's very strange. Actually, no one in the audience is allowed to do anything. They have to stand there wearing a mask. They can't make any vocal noise. The only enthusiasm that can be shown is they can gently kind of wave a light stick, and then at the end of the song, they can golf clap politely. That's all that is allowed. So, and they're socially distanced as well. So, yeah, during Voldemort, it's been actually it's been a very bizarre situation as a performer. You go on stage, and it's like performing for a room full of mannequins. Yeah, everyone's. I, 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 I hope that when I was there, that I at least gave you a little bit of energy because I had no idea about any of that, and I'm <laughs> like moving around crazy for you guys, and I'm looking around, being like, "Why is no one else like dancing around to Baby Beard right now?" You were fantastic, and I appreciated you very much. That's the thing. <laughs> Everyone was supposed to be standing still like a mannequin, so that's why it was a case of there were these rules saying you're not allowed to get excited. So I appreciate the fact that you did not follow that rule, my friend. As a performer, it's much nicer when that rule is unfollowed. So thank you. It helps that、um, I don't know how to read kanji. So, <laughs> well, exactly. That's exactly that's right. You get a pass, you see, because you couldn't read the rule. But、yeah. uh, for everyone else in the room, yeah. So for those who don't know, Evan came and saw one of our shows, and、uh, yeah, Evan was going crazy, and everyone else just standing, just standing, watching quietly, calmly.、Um, yeah, everyone has a mask on, so you, as from the stage, you can't see faces. Everyone's socially distanced, so it kind of feels like you know there's not very many people there because in a space for 500 people, there's like 50. Mm. And then, and then this, you just don't get energy back from the audience at all. So it's been quite an interesting,、uh, I guess, period of time for a performer because it means the performers need to work kind of three times harder than we usually would. Right. Because normally you get on stage and you give out energy, and then the audience receives that energy, and then they kind of recycle it and they give it back to you. And then you get it back, and then you feed it back to them, and you get a kind of a feedback loop of energy going between the performer and the audience. But there's been none of that during the Great Voldemort, so it's been just 
the, as the performer, you got to keep blasting out energy for the whole show because there's like no help essentially. You got to do everything yourself in terms of um, you know generating both the energy for yourself on stage and also giving the audience an experience. It's hard to uh, give people a emotional value when they're not allowed to really receive and express emotional value. So that's been quite an interesting and bizarre dynamic. Uh, understandable. And I hope that things get a little bit better over there. I'm hoping maybe soon we'll see those uh, 500 capacity places being filled with actual 500 people making the noise. Hopefully with the end of Voldemort in the on the horizon that you will get those old idol shows back again. Bless you. I mean, I hope so. They've said it's still going to be a while. I think they said something like September next year or something is when finally we'll be able to get rid of the masks and everyone will be able to get excited again. So, you know, there's still some yeah, still some of that to be endured. But yeah, yeah I'm get used to it. It's just a new dynamic and that's just the dynamic of performance in Japan at the moment. So actually now when it goes back again the other direction, that's going to need getting used to again. <laughs> the opposite. So, oh, but thank yeah. you. I appreciate it. Though. I hope so too. Yeah. But um, this past year in 2022, you got to perform outside of Japan in places like, I believe, Brazil and Austria. And how has the crowd reaction been to Baby Bear and been there compared to what's been going on with the Japanese idol scene there? Oh, so great. So, yeah, there were far fewer rules in place in both Brazil and Austria, which has been absolutely wonderful. Particularly Brazil. Brazil was our first ever overseas show, which we did in um, August this year. And so now for the girls, you got to imagine this. For the girls, um, these two girls were, they auditioned. They were picked for this group. And then the first year or so of the group we were just kind of sitting in an office in front of a webcam. So it was the most bizarre. It was not at all what I imagined they thought they were signing up to. Then when we finally got to the stage, you're performing for this room full of mannequins. So again, it's really like, oh, what? I kept saying them, look, just be patient. Wait till we get overseas. Wait till things are normal again. I promise you this will be amazing. We got to Brazil. And of course, you know, uh, the Brazilians did not care very much for whatever COVID rules may or may not have been in place. <laughs> So, so before we even make it to the stage, woo, just woo, super excited. Everybody, this big hall full of um, full of Brazilians. Before we even made it to the stage, the girls were like, oh, because it was the first time, either of them, the first time in their lives to have a really receptive audience. So we go on stage and just from the second it began, they were both so happy. It was really lovely to witness is the first time they've had an audience that were receptive and you could you could see them they were just beaming the whole time they were so excited at the end of the show they didn't want to leave the stage (laughs) (laughs) it was really lovely and then similar again in austria yeah it really has been wonderful i thank everybody overseas who's supporting baby beard thank you guys so much if you haven't yet head to the internet please follow baby beard underscore japan on all the thingamajigs we're doing tiki tockies we're doing youtubes we're doing tweets and instas and flick flocks and snick snocks and all the other uh, millennial things (laughs) (laughs) check out the digital content and then when we physically come to a town near you please come check us out in the flesh hmm 
Now, speaking of Austria, one of your baby beard partners keeps getting that country mixed up with Australia.、Uh, now that she has seen Austria for herself, does she no longer make that error? Do you know what? Do you know what? I take one hundred percent responsibility for this misunderstanding. She has not been. This is Kotomi we're talking about. She、yeah. has not confusing Austria and Australia at all. I have been mishearing her. <laughs> I felt so bad because on stage I kind of called her out, and I'm like, "We're not going to Australia. We're going to Austria." Ha 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 ha. And then, but it turns out, no, she had said Austria. I had misheard her, so I felt so bad. I was like, "Oh no!" And I felt like I had punked her in front of everybody. Right.、Uh. So. That- One hundred percent, my mistake. I take full responsibility. Lady Beard is the moron. Kotomi is the genius. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who heard about this, Lady Beard was the fool. Kotomi number one. Beard ten thousand six. No, I'm mistaken. <laughs> so now that you've released two singles, can we expect a Baby Beard album sometime in the near future? Can we expect? A baby beard album. I am saying that. Licking my fingers. Looking at Shiori. <laughs> Wondering if I get a response. Shiori looked up and to the left. <laughs> um.、Uh, listen. We have a lot of exciting things. Now, now we're being a bit silly, but listen,、yes. big plans coming up for 2023.、Um, I'm not allowed to tell you any of what they are yet. So, everybody, please go and follow the internets because that's where you're going to see what's going on. We have big plans for 2023.、Um, I'm not telling you what they are right now, but I will click more. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> maybe this should be the album. Just be called Lady Beard Clicks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, upload it to Bandcamp. See what happens. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, we'll make a TikTok. It just clicks. Yeah, with、uh, the, the click clack on the TikTok. This is wow. This is some musical G. I can click faster. I guess I can click slower. It's, oh my goodness! It's I, it's a concept. It's, it's so brilliant that Nintendo might license it to be the new Nintendo Switch sound. Oh my goodness! The Switch click. This is going to be a whole phenomenon. This will be bigger than Despacito. Twenty twenty two also saw you enter the podcast realm with the show Cat with Beard from Japan.、Uh, so, how did you meet、yeah. your co-host Kathy Cat? Right, Kathy Cat and I met each other、uh, years ago on a convention somewhere back in twenty sixteen or something. But I met her on this convention. We're like, ah.、Oh, Met each other and so forth, and then I didn't、uh, see her for a long time, and then we got、uh, cast in a podcast together. <laughs>、um, that podcast is actually、uh, produced by Bunka Hoso, which is one of the oldest. I think it's the oldest radio station in Japan. So one of the producers there. Um, had a vision to do an, an English language podcast, and I think he probably took him quite a long time and quite a lot of、uh, convincing to get the higher ups to allow him to do it. But then、uh, when he said, "All right, we do this English language podcast. We're going to talk about Japan." All right, get me Lady Beard and Kathy Cat, and let's hit this thing. So Kathy Cat's a joy to work with. She shows up. She has not worn the same thing twice ever. She, that girl has more Lolita dresses, 
than you can poke a fish at. It's quite remarkable. Mm. <laughs> she always turns up adorable. She's very sweet on the podcast. She's very nice to deal with. It's a joyous experience to work with her. Now, your show covers various topics from living in Japan and describing Japanese comedy to the rivalry between Tokyo and Osaka.、Uh, what have been some of the tougher topics to cover when it comes to being a foreigner looking from within the Japanese culture?、Um, some of the tougher topics.、Um, I don't know. I've not struggled with any of them, but I think, I think it's a pretty, pretty fun time in general. I'm afraid. What do you reckon? As a listener, what's,、uh, what's challenged you? What topics have made you say, oh, dear me, this is, this is striking a deep nerve? What do you reckon, Evan? Ooh, you know, I would say trying to explain Japanese humor to. To some people, because、um, a lot of Japanese humor very much comes from like this、uh, kind of Showa era kind of style where it's not so much jokes as it is catchphrases in some places. Yes. 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 That's actually, you raise a great point.、Um, see what I did there? I got you to answer the question for me. Ha ha! <laughs> great job! No, you are actually right, though. Japanese comedy is its, it's, its own. Dynamic and it really takes quite a lot of getting used to. You're right, it's like punchlines, and like a comedian, his, his, her, or their whole career will revolve around a punchline, and then the fun part is seeing what situation they come up with that gets them to the punchline. It's sort of like, do you remember back in、um, the 90s on Full House how Michelle would go, You got it, dude? Yep. <laughs> And you know, Urkel like, be like, Did I do that? Actually, it, that's perfect. Urkel, did I do that? It, the whole show revolves around, Did I do that? And how are we going to make it from the beginning to, Did I do that? It's an interesting and strange dynamic. I watched some English stand up comedy in Japan the other night, and I'll just tell you, Jim Jeffries came to Japan. Yes. I saw the Jim Jeffries show. Oh, mate, he's so relentlessly funny. It's not a G rated show.、So、oh, no, no, no. I, but, but he's like one of my all time favorite comedians.、Uh, he was remarkably funny. But what was amazing, they held it in this hall in Tokyo. And so the, the theater staff, the theater hall staff, are all in the theater during the show. And they stand there in their suits and they look very, very proper and very upright and very well disciplined. And It would have been very interesting for them because there's this one foreigner on the stage, not doing anything but talking to a microphone. And then there's this sea of hundreds of foreigners just laughing hysterically. And from their perspective, the whole time they would have been going, Where are the jokes? Because it was just talking. There was no crazy face pulling, there was no giant movements. It was just. Verbal jokes. It's, that's a, a totally different dynamic. No one going、Japanese. shit or anything like that. Yeah, no one, no huge noises, no people getting hit in the head with frying pans, no bananas like that. So I was thinking to myself, this would be such an experience for the staff. And I bet after the show, they all get together and they go, What was that all about? What did the foreigners find so funny? So yeah, Japanese comedy is a long way of saying it. Japanese comedy is it's a whole thing unto itself. 
That would be an interesting premise for like a TV show or even an anime. The story of a Japanese person visiting America and experiencing a stand-up comedy show and him trying to, or even her, trying to do that in Japan. And just people being confused mm. as to uh, where where's the gag and where's the punchline? No, he's Man. telling a story. It's kind of like it's kind of like Rakugo in some places, if you think about it. Like Rakugo, you know, like, like the uh, uh, yeah, like the the Japanese storytelling, uh, like humor oh, storytelling. Yeah, that's right. It is. That's kind of the closest comparison, I suppose. Mm. And there's a handful of comedians who kind of do wordplay type jokes. And that's sort of their gimmick. And that's kind of the closest thing. But yeah, it's really, uh, there's no Japanese equivalent to stand up. It would be interesting to hear some Japanese people do some stand up in Japanese. Yeah, it would be. I think it exists. I think it exists somewhere, but I think it's it has certain. to. It has to because, like, it it feels weird, like knowing, like, you see all these different kind of comedians on Japanese TV. A lot of them are like the manzai kind of comedians, where it's two people and they're both like riffing on one another. Whereas in like stand up comedy in the rest of the world, it's like the guy on stage riffing on everybody, including yeah. themselves. Including <laughs> themselves. That's right. Yeah, yeah, it would be... Yeah, I'd love to go watch some stand-up with Japanese people and um, see if they get it. Mm. If they get the language, I guess they would. Maybe. It's very interesting. So, back to Cat with Beard from Japan. Yes, Cat with My podcast, yes. (laughs) Yes, you've had guests like YouTuber Shibuya Kaho, pro wrestler Antonio Inoki, and J-pop artist Nano on as experts on this certain topic that you're going to talk about. Who has been your favorite person to have on thus far? Well, it's very interesting doing this podcast because I get to meet all these interesting people and some of them are already friends of mine and uh, some of them also, even if we didn't know each other before the podcast, we have a lot in common. So for instance, Nano, doing the podcast was my first time meeting her, but we're both musicians in Japan, so we have similar experiences and so forth. And um, so it's been a really, uh, yeah, it's been quite amazing doing the podcast, but I have to tell you, my favorite person to ever come into the podcast room with me is definitely Kathy Cat. <laughs> you can't go past the co-host. Without her, there is no podcast. She's fantastic. But uh, all the guests have been great, actually, and um, a lot of them I've had something in common with which is wonderful. So, you know, Yuduko Taigo, both cosplayers, Hartley Jackson, we're both wrestlers, Nano, we're both musicians. So it's been really um, uh, lovely, actually, to kind of get a different perspective on things I somewhat already know about. Hmm. Is there someone you dream of having be a guest on the show? Evan? When are we going to have Evan on the show? <laughs> Evan! I would go over to Japan on the show. We need Evan on Cat with Beard. <laughs> um... Next time I'm over there, I'll let you know. Yes, there can be no cat with beard without the three B crew. We're, where are the other two Bs? Get all the Bs over. <laughs> the There'll be cat with beard with BBB from Japan. It'll be the greatest podcast in history. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. Thank you. I, I yes. will. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll figure something out. If and whenever I come over there. 
I can't wait. I anticipate this greatly. Thank you. Now, as we are finishing with 2022, we are starting to think of the new year and what could come of it. Now, I know mm. you can't reveal actual plans, but mm. what do you hope to achieve in 2023? Be it solo, with the rest of your baby beard comrades, or with Kathy Cat? At the moment, I just want to keep doing what I'm doing, to be honest. I want to keep doing the podcast, do the best job of that we possibly can. Keep doing Baby Beard. I really want to get Baby Beard around um, to as many international locations as we possibly can because because of Voldemort. We've had a lot of time kind of anticipating going overseas and not being able to. So now that we finally can, I really want to get Baby Beard out to the globe. And um, beyond that, just... Uh, just continuing to work as hard as I can to uh, make audiences everywhere smile and uh, hopefully brighten up people's days just a little bit. Now, for those who have been following your career, probably even as far back from towards like the start of it, what kind of message would you like to send to your fans and your biggest supporters? Hey, people who've been following me for a long time and also people who follow me staunchly now, thank you all so much for your support. Um, Really, I'm deeply, deeply grateful. This is arguably the most ridiculous career choice in the history of career choices. And were it not for the support of the audience and the fans, it would not be a career choice because it would not be a career. So the fact that I can do this as a career and uh, people want to see it and people support me in doing it, I'm deeply grateful. So thank you all so much. Um, uh, please check out baby beard please check out cat with beard from japan and um if there's something you're interested in seeing lady beard get involved in let me know i was you know keep working hard for the fans lady beard i want i want to want to do what the fans want from me i want to want to provide the fans with their needs so something you want to see lady beard do let me know about it besides from that Head on down to the social media if you haven't already. Ladybeard underscore Japan. And of course, Babybeard underscore Japan. That's the group. And Cat with Beard from Japan. That's the podcast. Do some likes and follows and subscribes. And um, I really am uh, so super grateful to everyone for paying attention. Thank you all so much. And Evan, my friend, thank you for having me today on the three B crew on the one on one. How give us your inshore. How have you enjoyed today, Evan? This has been a blast, Lady Beard. This has been a phenomenal interview. You have entertained me immensely. I hope the listeners have been entertained. But before we end the show, there is one last question I would like to ask you. And it's a question that I ask all musicians that I have on this show. And the question is a variation Mm. of Three Album Island, which is basically if you found yourself stuck on the deserted island and you somehow Gilligan's Island a music player out of coconuts and vines, which three albums would you like to have with you to help keep you sane until your imminent rescue and why? All right, so sanity, remaining sane. I'm definitely going to be rescued. This is to keep me sane until the rescue. That's the thrust of my musical choices. Yes. All right, cool. Okay, we're going to have to start off with Desert Island. It's um, I'm going to require some energy because I imagine I'll be running around trying to pick coconuts and you know and 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 potentially hunt toucans or something to sustain myself. So I'm going to need some energy. So I'm going to go with um, number one, uh, Slipknot's uh, self titled album Slipknot so Slipknot 
but not their first album because that's a that's a wonderful album. It gets me pumped um, no matter what. So that's going to be choice number one. Choice number two, I reckon there'll probably be some frustration involved in uh, the desert island. I imagine I'll be sunburnt at least once. And I imagine there's going to be some tribulations. I don't know where I'm going to get fresh water from on this desert island. I'm going to have to watch Man vs. Wild a few times to get some ideas. But um, I reckon to get me through the frustrations of the island, choice number two, I'm going to go Iowa by Slipknot. So <laughs> we got we got Slipknot, Slipknot, and we got Slipknot, Iowa. And then choice number three, Oh, look, screw it. I'm going to say subliminal <laughs> volume three, subliminal verses by Slipknot. <laughs> Just to that. It wouldn't make any sense to pick two Slipknots and then one other random something something. I'm going to take it all home for the Slipknot hat trick. Slipknot, Iowa, volume three, the subliminal verses. That's what Lady B is listening to on his Gulligan's Island. Gilligan's? Gullivan's? Gullivan's? Dad's Island. <laughs> I have to. I'm curious. Does Slipknot know of your existence? Do you know what? I interviewed um, Corey Taylor um, when he uh, back in 2019, 18, when he came to Japan with Stone Sour. I had um, a TV show at the time when I um, presented Western music to the Japanese audience, and I got to interview Corey, and he was an absolute gentleman, complete professional, very polite absolute joy to deal with and then the next night on stage he gave me a shout out so bless you Corey taylor my favorite human ever yeah he he must get he must vent all that frustration on stage a lot of screaming from Corey. ah i love his scream so much it was um yeah he was the first time i'd ever done an interview in english actually i've done japanese interviews prior but he was my first english one interestingly as in with me being the interviewer so it's pretty cool, really. My first ever English interview, and I get my hero. It's not bad. That is, that is awesome, Lady Beard. What a good story to awesome. end this episode of One on One. Nailed it. Well, thanks so much for talking today, Evans. It's been an absolute pleasure. Everybody, please keep listening to the 3B crew. <laughs> and I am Lady Beard. Don't forget to follow me on the internet, and I'll see you again soon. Listeners, and thank you once again for joining us in this episode of One on One. Until next time, this is your King David reminding you that you don't have to be a well we're keeping it rated you don't have to be a B word but it sure helps <laughs> I love it